Hello and welcome to Short Stuff. There's Chuck, there's Jerry, I'm Josh, and this is, well, I already said Short Stuff. I've already screwed up and wasted time, squandered precious time, Chuck. Let's just get started. Oh, yeah. Like I said, oh, yeah. (laughs) Who was the, God, I can't remember the Simpsons character now. What a dummy. Bleeding Gums Murphy. Bleeding Gums Murphy. Well, he played the sax. Yeah, I know, but. I don't know. He was a jazz man, not a blues man. He was a hep cat. He was super hep. He wore, like, uh, sandals year-round without socks. With suits, <laughs> I believe. So, yeah, this is about the blues, and specifically Robert Johnson. Um, and this is—I have an interesting relationship with the blues. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah, in that I I love occasionally putting on, like, Sunhouse or Robert Johnson or something like that um, and enjoy it for a bit. Mm-hmm. But then I have to turn it off. And I also recognize that blues is the foundation of rock and roll. Sure. Like, full stop. Right. But I also hate, like, I, I just call it the Blind Willies Blues. It's a place here in Atlanta. Uh-huh. This legendary blues bar yes. where, like. It's like the blues version of smooth jazz. Yeah. It's like where you see, like, the 52-year-old in flip-flops and cargo shorts up there playing the blues. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that makes me hate the blues, despite loving rock and roll and recognizing that blues is the foundation of that. I'm with you. So you can it's be selective. You can, it is complicated, actually. That's really, really good way to put it. All right. So we're talking about Robert Johnson and whether or not he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads to uh, gain more talent as a blues guitarist and singer. Spoiler, that did not happen because there is, what? No, there is no devil. What? <laughs> I've wasted my life. But we're going to talk a little bit about Robert Johnson's history and uh and he's certainly a man who who sang the blues for a reason, a lot of reasons. Yeah, he had a pretty rough life. So he was a, as a little kid, he he got moved from place to place, uh, mostly between uh, lo, uh, little towns in Mississippi and I believe Memphis. And um, he, uh, he he lost his dad early on. I think his dad left. His stepfather abused him, um, and he. Uh, yeah, he just kind of had it rough, especially after he he um, became an adult. He married uh, his girlfriend, Virginia, and they had a, a kid, and Virginia and the baby died during childbirth. And so he kind of um, got unmoored after that and very, very quickly um, started singing the blues more than ever and became a, a pretty hardcore alcoholic, I believe, as a result. So, yeah, he, he definitely had it rough and he lived the life that, that you could live to be the foundation of the blues, basically, which he, he grew up to be. Yeah, and they, they think he even—he's a member of the, the 27 Club, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps the first even, if you really think about it. Yeah. But he died at 27 years old, supposedly out of—and, you know, records are tough on guys like uh, Robert Johnson, but supposedly was poisoned by uh, the husband of one of his lovers uh, on, you know, when he was 27 years old. Right. So but in that time, though, he managed to create like a body of work that, like you said, is, is basically pointed to as one of the major blocks in the foundation of rock and roll. Um, this is in the 30s that he was, he was pro- playing prolifically, right? Yeah, and he, you know, he followed in the footsteps of, uh, you know, he wasn't the first blues guitarist by any means. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. And in fact... Um, there's this story, and this is the whole thing where it's like, you know, wh- why why did he sell his soul to the devil? What's the what's the story? We're going to tell you this story. <laughs> 
The whole thing starts back in 1930 in Robinsonville, Mississippi. And there is a juke joint where the blues is being played by a couple of legends. Um, Sunhouse, who you mentioned. Yeah, love it. Uh, and I think, uh, who else was there that night? Willie, Willie Brown. Willie Brown was playing that night. And these guys were already established as, as Delta Blues men, right? And um, the house was packed. And I guess in between sets, a very young Robert Johnson uh, came up to the stage and grabbed, and I'm sure the stage was just a chair that was on at the same level as the other chairs or wherever people were sitting or sure. standing. Um, and he grabs a guitar, not even his guitar. I mean, the audacity, right? Yeah. And he starts playing. And because it's Robert Johnson, you would assume that everybody was just stopped, transfixed at how amazing he was. That is not how it went down at all, as a matter of fact. No, he wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, and Sunhouse, you know, even says, uh, "Why don't?" he said that people came and told him, why don't some of y'all go down and make that boy put that thing down? <laughs> He's running us crazy. Right. Because his playing was so bad. Yeah. And this is humiliating enough. They they went over and, and basically said, you you not only need to stop playing, you need to leave this juke joint. You just showed you're actually not, not cool enough to even sit here as like an audience member anymore. So he left and he disappeared and he vanished. And then a year later. As legend at, has it. Right. Uh, at another blues place, again, Willie Brown and um, Sunhouse were playing. And Robert Johnson shows up. And he shows up with a guitar, his own guitar this time. Mm -hmm. And he starts playing, and it's like nothing anyone else has ever heard. This guy has turned insanely good almost overnight. And he's got a seventh string on his guitar, and everyone was like, what? Yeah, and he used it to great effect. Eric Clapton put it um, kind of uh, succinctly. He said that um, he was simultaneously playing a disjointed bass line on the low strings, rhythm on the middle strings, and lead on the treble strings, which had the effect of sounding like there were multiple people playing when it was really just him on that seven-string guitar. That's yeah. how fast and how varied the music he was playing was, and no one had ever heard anything like it. Yeah, so uh, the legend is that he went down to the crossroads uh, during that time, sold his soul to the devil, and uh, Satan granted him with these special talents in exchange yeah. for his soul. But like you already spoiled, that that actually probably didn't happen. So should we take a break? We should take a break. We'll do some more explaining when we get back. Okay, Chuck, so we've established that there actually isn't a devil, <laughs> unless it's the greatest trick you ever pulled. Oh. We may have just fallen <laughs> victim to that. But um, not only, did, so does that mean that that story didn't happen in that sense? It probably didn't even happen to Robert Johnson. There seems to have been a case of mistaken identity, because there's a story of an earlier blues man who's not related to Robert Johnson, but had the same last name. His name was Tommy Johnson. And if you're a fan of the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. And you were only familiar with Robert Johnson like me, you may have been wondering all this time why they didn't just call that character, Tommy Johnson, Robert Johnson, since he was <laughs> clearly based on Robert Johnson. Well, it turns out I know now that the Coen brothers did their homework. They tend to do that. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, Tommy Johnson was in that movie and had sold his soul to the devil in that movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been covered elsewhere. There was that uh, great movie to me, 
uh, Crossroads with, with Ralph the, Macchio. Was it good? Well, I, I mean, it was one of those HBO movies that as a young kid who got a guitar at 13 watched mm-hmm. like 50 times. I never saw it. I thought it was pretty great. I mean, Did Steve Vai is in it. Oh, he is? <laughs> yeah, he plays Satan's right-hand man and lead shredder in the in the main Cutting Heads competition at the end. Did Pat Morita play Satan? No. <laughs> he totally should have. <laughs> no, who was it? Oh, man, he's been in stuff. If you saw him, you'd be like, oh, he, he plays a good Satan. Wings Hauser. No. Treat Williams. <laughs> no. I don't know then. Those are the only three actors you know. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Chong? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, I, I haven't seen it in a while. I'd like to check it out. But uh, that th- there's always sort of been this blues legend all the way around is where the crossroads, you go meet the devil, you you sign up for uh, a lifetime of hellfire in exchange for um, what what seems to be like a good deal on earth, even though the the tail end of that tale always ends as like they die young or something. Right. Don't fall for it, kids. That's right. Like it, supposedly Jimmy Page sold his soul to the devil too. Sure. Who I didn't, mean, you come, know? So um, the, the story though – you know, seems to have originated with Tommy Johnson. And there's yeah, I a, think so. There's a um, an article. There's a site, Chuck, called um, Paranormal Academic, mm. which is just like a dream come true for me. I just <laughs> found it. Um, it was linked to in this House of Works article. And does um, that mean you're not going to uh, tinfoilhat.com anymore? <laughs> no, not anymore. I've I've rescinded my membership. All right. Um, so on Paranormal Academic, there's a, a an excerpt from an interview with Tommy Johnson's brother who said, Tommy told me the story of what happened, and he supposedly went down to the crossroads. He said, anybody can do this. You get on to the crossroads, get there a little before midnight to make sure you're there on time, which mm-hmm. is hilarious that he included that little detail. Be, be punctual. And um, if you bring your own instrument, a, a like great big black man will show up, take your instrument from you, Tune it for you, hand it back, and the deal is done. That's how it happens. And that's, that's right. what the legend became. And But then at some point, it seems to have been transposed onto, from Tommy Johnson, onto the later on much greater known Robert Johnson. And Robert Johnson seems to have been like, sure, yeah, that happened to me. And and you can really see that in his, the, some of the song titles of the body of his work. Yeah, um, Hellhound on My Trail, Me and the Devil Blues, um, obviously, the song "Crossroads," uh, "Crossroad Blues," mm-hmm. "Up Jump the Devil." Here's the thing, though: the singing about the devil and talking about the devil in that community at that time was very commonplace. And Robert Johnson was talking about his demons, right? Not literal demons, just his demons in life, because he had a rough go, and then you know fell into alcoholism and chasing women and. Uh, probably believe that the hellhounds were on his tail, or I'm sorry, on his trail. Right. So and his, and his tail. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's right. The the devil had given him. So um, that's the interpretation by his grandson Stephen Johnson, who also has an answer for that question. Okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But besides the supernatural, how could somebody go from zero to hero, blues legend wise, in just a year like that? And Stephen Johnson's like, actually, it was probably more like three years. Like, yeah, he, he actually probably was kicked out of that juke joint yeah. for playing badly. And he probably did come back and blow those same people away. But it wasn't a year. It was about three years. And he didn't go sell a soul to the devil. He went and studied under a, a, a legendary guitarist named Ike Zimmerman, whose family confirms that Robert Johnson was there all the time around that time. Yeah, so like the, the boring but also inspiring answer was practice. 
Yeah, he, don't sell he, your he got, soul. He got good because he played a ton of guitar, probably because uh, he wanted to get better, but probably also due to a little bit of shame mm-hmm. and uh, wanted to go back there and make a name for himself. So he practiced and practiced and practiced like anybody who is good at anything does. And that is the true legacy of Robert Johnson, legendary blues man, right? That's right. Uh, well, thanks for listening. You can read about this article on How Stuff Works. That's where we got this one, right, Chuck? That's right. All right. Well, then, uh, until next time, short stuff away. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Stuff You Should Know.